In November, I switched from using an iPhone to a dumb phone. I did this to promote focus and more engagement with real life. And I thought I knew what I was getting into. I thought the change would be permanent. But I ended up giving up after just a month, and I went crawling back to my smug little iPhone. In this episode, I'll share my thinking process that led me to pursue a low-tech dumb phone, and what I learned from the experiment of going with a dumb phone, and I'll share some of the steps that I've taken since switching back to the iPhone and how I've kind of dumbed my iPhone down a little bit to get some of those focus and attention benefits that I had with a dumb phone. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about two quick things. Are you a believer who struggles to manage your time well and stay organized? Well, come join the community of productivity-minded believers in Redeeming Productivity Academy. Members have access to new courses each month, monthly habit challenges, the Productivity Book Club, and live calls with me, plus much, much more. So if you're looking for that kick in the pants to really get on track for 2022, Redeeming Productivity Academy is the group for you. To learn more about Redeeming Productivity Academy and to sign up, just go to redeemingproductivity.com academy. That's redeemingproductivity.com academy. Also want to give a big shout out to the supporters of this show. I would not be able to keep creating Bible-based productivity content without the help of people like you. So thank you. And if you're getting value out of this show, my newsletter, videos, or other productivity resources, consider becoming a supporter of Redeeming Productivity. You can do so through giving a one-time or recurring donation at redeemingproductivity.com donation, or by joining the Redeeming Productivity Patreon at patreon.com slash redeemingprod. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Now, let's get into the show. Part one, why I got a dumb phone. So when it comes to technology, including our phones, we are conditioned to think that more features always equals better. You know, we'll line up for the newest phone, even when it's only marginally better than the previous version. Yeah, talking to you, iPhone. But I found, and I think you'll agree with me, that there is a hidden price we pay every time our phones get better. And the price is our attention. The better our phones have gotten and the apps on them, the more time we spend on them. And I think this is something that the reality of it, I didn't really realize until recently. You know, you think, okay, there's pre-smartphone era and, you know, we had our dumb phones. They weren't really connected. They, They weren't sucking all our attention away from us. And then there's like, okay, the iPhone came out and all the Android phones and okay, now we have smartphones. But one thing that I think I have only begun appreciating recently is the incrementalism with which uh, the, the phones have drawn more and more of my attention. And the phones that we have now and the apps, everything on them is so well designed to capture your eyeballs and just glue them to the screen for as long as possible. In fact, when I was looking into this episode, I found that there was a 2016 study in which they discovered that the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,000 
617 times per day. Yeah, over 2,000 times a day. We are like married to these devices. And that was 2016. I would bet dollars to donuts, whatever that expression means. I would bet that in 2022, that number's way higher. That we spend way more time on our phones. And I realized years ago, but like I've like been trying to come to terms with it. I realized that having my phone with me all the time was causing problems. You know, like looking back, like I did not have a cell phone until I was a teenager. I think I was in high school when I got my first phone. It was one of those Nokia brick phones, you know, the invincible ones. And there was nothing smart about that phone, except that you could use it as a weapon because those things were invincible. But the only thing it had on it, had I remember it had Snake on it, that game, you know, you eat the little pellets and you go around. There might have been another game. I don't really remember. But, like, there was nothing appealing about that phone that would capture your attention and, like, never make you want to stop looking at the screen. It was just a phone. And I don't think I got a smartphone until after I was out of college. So I remember very well what life was like before smartphones. And it was a time where you couldn't just video record everything instead of experiencing it. It was a time where your uncle would tell you a story that, you know, seemed kind of made up, probably not true, but no one could fact check him on it, you know, without running to the computer room. And it was a time when you'd go to a restaurant and actually look at the person across from you. And I don't think it was all like better before the smartphone. I'm not a Luddite. I don't believe that technology is all negative, obviously, but there were many things that were better. And one of them is that I know I read a lot more and I I've discovered that this is actually uh, true uh, statistically. Uh, Tony Ranke in his book, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You, he says the statistics show that Christians who struggle to read books are struggling to break free from poor smartphone habits as one root cause. And I believe that 100%. My addiction to my phone causes me to read fewer books, hands down. And I found that affects the other things too. I, after having a smartphone, I, don't, I, I stopped writing as much and as well. And I'd sit down to write, and then whenever I had the slightest hint of writer's block or even boredom, I'd grab my phone and I'd scroll Twitter. I didn't like force myself through that writer's block because there was always the option to entertain myself with my phone. And once my phone is in my hand, you know, no matter what I plan to do with it, maybe I plan to read my Bible on it or I plan to, you know, check off something on my to-do list. But as soon as my phone's in my hand, you know, it's like I can't put it down. You mindlessly scroll Instagram or YouTube or that portal to hell that is TikTok. And until you can finally unglue yourself and get back to work. And, And I hate that. I hate that about my phone. I hate that it is like sucking the attention out of me like a Dementor's kiss. And it's just this, this infernal machine that's in all of our pockets always trying to steal our focus away from us. In his book, The Shallows, Nicholas Carr describes how the internet is reshaping our brains. And now this is 2011, smartphones had just kind of come onto the scene. So he's speaking, you know, even more broadly just about the internet in general. 
He says, what the net seems to be doing is chipping away at my capacity for concentration and contemplation. Whether I'm online or not, my mind now expects to take in information the way the net distributes it, in a swiftly moving stream of particles. Once I was a scuba diver in the sea of words, now I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. And quoting from Tony Ranke again, in 12 ways your phone is changing you, he points out this, this issue with distraction and concentration. He says, the more we take refuge in distraction, the more habituated we become to mere stimulation and the more desensitized to delight. We lose our capacity to stop and ponder something deeply, to admire something beautiful for its own sake, to lose ourselves in the passion for a game, a story, or a person. And so it's not just that our phones have gotten better. They have, and they improve so many aspects of life for sure. But there is no denying that as our phones have gotten better, they have taken something from us. And I think that that issue with, with concentration specifically, that's what I, what I feel most keenly. You know, Cal, Cal Newport in his book, Deep Work, says that the ability to concentrate intensely is a skill that must be trained. And when you give in to boredom, you know, and, and, and switch your attention over to your phone, you never let yourself be bored or think about something or ruminate, for goodness sake. When's the last time you ruminated? When you don't do that, the quality of your thinking, of your ability to read, of your ability to focus, diminishes. And, and here's just one way to think about how this affects your life. Just from the spiritual standpoint, your phone addiction is killing your spiritual life because it makes you unable to read the Bible for long stretches of time or to pray to God without getting distracted. If you've ever thought and wondered, man, I used to do those Bible in a year plans. I used to be able to read for so long. I used to be able to sit there and pray to God uh, for a super long time. What's going on? Am I, am I, Am I going backwards in my faith? What's happening here? Very likely part of the problem is we have retrained our brains to never be bored, to never think for too long on one subject, and to always just have this escape hatch for our thinking and to be entertained because our phones are always with us. That's a problem. And listen, I don't want to just whine about the world and about technology and, and just be a Luddite and say, okay, well, this is all really bad and the world's just getting worse. Oh, well, there's nothing we can do about it. No, here, I want to do something about it, at least for my own life. I don't think I'm going to be able to turn back the tide on uh, the world of smartphones, but I want to do something about it. I'd known that these were issues. I've read about these issues. I've written about these issues. I wrote a piece, I think, back in 2017 about taming uh, your smartphone. It was something like sheathing the double-edged sword, how to, how to manage your, your, uh, the productivity benefits of having a smartphone with the attention-sucking you know, aspects of it. So I've thought about this for a long time. And for the longest time, I've tried to tame my phone just by having rules. You know, I've, I've talked about it here. One of my rules is I don't check my phone before breakfast, except when I do. You know, I, I'll break that rule. It's easy to break. And, and when I do, I find myself scrolling. And what I really wanted to do was I wanted to be present. 
I wanted to think deeply. I wanted to be reading. I wanted to be praying. But really what kind of set me off on this mission of, of trying a dumb phone, I've never, I've always thought about taking the plunge and be like, well, what if I just got rid of this phone? You know, I whine about it enough when I just get rid of it and get a dumb phone. But the thing that really, you know, pushed me over the edge was rereading Deep Work uh, with our Redeeming Productivity Academy book club. And that really made me say, you know what, it's time for a radical step. I wanted to become more focused so that I could produce higher quality work and be a better steward of my life for God's glory. And I thought, I don't know that my smartphone is a net benefit to me. I think if I, on balance, the benefits I get from it, I think are outweighed by the, uh, by the negatives. And so I said, let's, let's nuke this thing, or at least turn it off and put it in a drawer. I don't want to nuke it, radiation and all that. But so I realized I need to do something about this. And it's not enough just to you know, try to work more deeply, try to have these rules. I, I needed to get rid of the temptation. And so that's what I did. I got a dumb phone. Part two, the coolest dumb phone. So there is a dumb phone that I had been eyeing for a long time. It's called the light phone. I have a video. I'll link to it in the show notes here too. I did, I did a sort of a video review of it and it goes more into the technical reasons why the light phone specifically didn't work for me. And that there was, it's, it's cool though. It's a cool concept as like an e-ink display, like a Kindle, you know, um, it's very minimal. There's no internet browser, but it's, it's cool. You got to check out the light phone. I really like it. It has a couple of, a couple of kinks in it that made it, um, from a technical standpoint, not really work for me. But I realized that kind of the whole concept wasn't working. And what happened was I got this this dumb phone. It finally came. And I think it was the beginning of November or the end of October. And I really genuinely thought, all right, let's, let's get rid of this iPhone. We're not going to use this anymore. And so I went exclusive with the light phone. And I'll tell you this. I said this in the video. I'll tell you this. I loved me with a dumb phone. Uh, after the first, you know, few days, which <laughs> kind of felt like a detox or like, um, I don't know what you call it when someone comes off of drugs, it like the, the beginning was really hard, honestly, because I would reach for my phone and I pull out this stupid, dumb brick phone that can't do anything, you know, because I'd get bored. And so I, my natural habit is, oh, let me check Twitter. Let me look at this. I pull out this phone out of my pocket and there's nothing there. I can look at old text messages or I can open up the calculator app and just write out math. And I, I literally did that. That was literally how I entertained myself when uh, there was nothing else to do. But after a few days of that, I got used to just not having a boredom breaker with me all the time. I got used to being able to just think, to look out the window, to have forbid talk to somebody. And I really liked that. I felt that my head was clear, my thinking was clear, my writing was clear. I just felt clearer all together. My skin was clearer. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. And like I said, there were some technical limitations of the phone that made me uh, give up on it. But there were some problems that I never anticipated problems with trying to be a dumb phone person in a smartphone person world. Part three, why I gave up. So having a dumb phone is limited 
in many different ways. It depends on the phone you picked. Mine was very, very dumb. It had very few features. Like there wasn't even a camera on it. Like I said, there, there wasn't a, a web browser. Um, there wasn't a flashlight, which is things you don't think about, you know, that I always have a flashlight with me. So I, you know, I fell down the stairs a few times. I didn't really fall down the stairs, but like there are all these little things with having a phone that I just, I guess I didn't really anticipate how big of a problem they would be for like participating in society. So like, here's one example. We went to a restaurant and you know, we're, we're in the, uh, the age of COVID. So they don't have any like real menus and I get there and there's just a QR code. And I pull out this dumb phone and there's no camera on it, much less a browser. There's no, there's no way for me to access this menu because I can't access the internet. And so, of course, you know, I can ask the waiter and they, they'll bring me a paper menu. You know, they have them um, in the back and they pull them out with tongs and a hazmat suit and bring it over to you. And then they burn it when you're done. I'm just teasing. But, you know, that there's little stuff like that that kept coming up and made it very difficult to do a lot of just stuff that you don't realize is so basic. And so I'm not saying it's impossible to live in modern society with a smartphone, but I don't think I really realized how hard it would be. And it it made me like kind of reflect a little bit more on some of the principles that were driving me and be a bit more honest with the way I'd been thinking about this. See, one, one thing I think is an issue is I can, and maybe you're the same way, you can kind of romanticize disconnecting from the world. Like I, I, I'm one of those people that thinks about, man, imagine if someday I could live, you know, in a cabin in Alaska and never talk to anyone again and just live off the land and, and, uh, be totally disconnected. Right. I don't know if you've ever think about that stuff. And I think part of that's, you know, because like my, my world is online, right? Like I, you know, I run an online ministry, um, it's always, it's always like this little stressor of always being connected. I think a lot of people have felt this, especially people that switch to work from home, that kind of stuff. Um, and so you start to think that maybe everything was better before there was running water. I mean, before there was the internet. But I think people have done this in every age. You know, you always look back and say, oh, the 1950s were wonderful. And people are like, you know, the age of the, the <laughs> World War II, that was a great time. You know, you always, everyone looks back to the, to the generation before them and they think, remember when times were simpler? And maybe it's just part of getting old, but I just realized that romanticizing disconnection just isn't, it's not realistic. You have to live in the society you're born in. And, and, and look, maybe someday I will totally get rid my phone. Like I'm not like totally off this kick that it might be nice to be a, just a little bit Amish, maybe 20% Amish. But I think instead it's kind of made me think a little bit more clearly, like maybe instead of disconnecting, I need to think more in terms of strategic connection. And obviously a big part of this is driven for me personally is like my livelihood is through the internet. So like, I'm not (laughs) that I can't just totally disconnect. I never can, but I also think there's just so many positives to the internet. There's so many positives to our smartphones. And like, we can't, we can't miss that just because there's both pros and cons. We shouldn't just, you know, inflate all the cons and say, there's nothing good about it. No, instead we can be smart. We can use wisdom and we can be strategic in how we connect. Because here's the truth. At the end of the day, getting rid of the technology that maybe tempts you to be unfocused, tempts you to 
um, not steward your attention well, getting rid of the, the, the technology is not going to fix the human heart. Again, another quote from Tony Rinke from 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. He says, true freedom from the bondage of technology comes not mainly from throwing away the smartphone, but from filling the void with the glories of Jesus that you are trying to fill with the pleasures of your device. And so I like that. That's that's balanced. You don't have to throw away the phone. But but what happens when the phone is keeping me from beholding the glories of Jesus because it's keeping me from focusing on reading his word or meditating on it? Or ruminating on it or praying to him, right? And so I think you have to approach it strategically. Technology isn't bad, but we have to be wise with how we engage with it. And that leads me to the final part. Part four, what I'm doing now. So I'm back with the iPhone. Uh, I'm actually, I'm looking right now at my at my dumb phone here, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to get rid of it because I don't think I've, I've thought about maybe doing a dual thing. Some people do that where you have, you use the dumb phone most of the time and then switch back to the iPhone. And I just, I find it hard to justify the expense of owning a second phone. <laughs> like that seems that crazy to me. So instead I took a deep dive into focus modes on the iPhone and screen time features. And I'll just share with you, like tactically, this is exactly what I have set up on my phone and now it's on my iPad and my computers as well. So maybe I'll frame it this way. My objective was how do I uh, get the benefits of the dumb phone without eliminating the benefits of the iPhone? Okay, so there's the objective. So here's what I thought. Okay, where are my problem areas? Well, my problem areas are still mornings, even though I have this rule where I, I don't check my phone before breakfast. Sometimes I do. I'm human, guys. I'm sorry. But sometimes I do check it before breakfast. And it often ruins my morning routine, like completely hijacks it if I do that. So I thought, well, how can I enforce that rule? And at first I was like, well, maybe I'll you know stick the phone in a drawer. Maybe I'll turn it off at night and... You know, I thought about these different ways of doing it, but all of them had their downside because I do want, like, if there's an emergency, I do want to get a call in the middle of the night. Anyway, here's what I came up with uh, to accomplish that. The first the first pass was focus mode. So in iOS 15, I think it came out in 15, they now have focus modes. They allow you to kind of customize a few different things. Like, you've always had the do not disturb mode where your phone won't ring or, like, you can make sure notifications don't pop up. Now you can customize that a lot more. It allows you to have custom screens during certain times. So I have a morning routine home screen on my iPhone that only has really specific apps that I can use, like my Bible app or um, my note-taking app. And it's just very, very limited what I actually see. Now, if I wanted to get to other stuff with the focus modes, I can. And that's another problem. I wanted to totally eliminate the, um, the temptation. And so in addition to having this morning focus mode, I also have one for work and I have one for personal time and it just kind of just changes what I see, changes what notifications are allowed. I wanted something that was a little bit uh, stronger. I wanted a focus mode with teeth, let's say, that I couldn't get around. And so I started using the screen time feature, which has been in iOS for a while, 
But what this allows you to do is several things. The main thing is it'll track how much time you're spending on different apps. You know, I think the default is if you turn it on, like every Sunday, you'll get this notification that says like, you spent an average of 20 hours on your phone this week. And you're like, oh no. Um, But you can, you can set limits on apps or categories of apps within there. So for example, uh, I have a one hour limit on social media apps on my phone for the day. So, you know, 20 minutes of Twitter, 40 minutes of Instagram, I wouldn't be able to use any of those apps for the rest of the day once I hit that limit. I gave myself a little bit of time in there because I need to use them sometimes to post stuff uh, for, for work, but I, I wanted to have like a really, really tight limit on that. And the second thing I did was I created um, these uh, schedules for screen time. And with a schedule, you can basically set times where only certain apps are accessible. This is like the killer thing for me. If I, only did, if I had to get rid of everything else, this would be the one thing I'd do. And, and I did do this, and it's been helpful. From 9 p.m. until 8 a.m., there are only, I think, like three apps I can use on my phone. I can take falls. I can text. I can do that stuff. But regardless of how much time I spend on social media, those are inaccessible. Um anything basically in YouTube. I can't get on any websites. I can't even use the internet browser on my phone. I can only get to a small handful of apps, not even, not even a, uh, my email until 8 AM. And that has been awesome. But here is the, uh, here's the thing that really made it work. I do not know my screen time password. I gave it to my wife. I said, guard this with your life, set it to whatever you want. Never tell me it. Now, she did forget it the first time when I needed to make a change to it, and I had to, like, reset my phone. But, yeah, sorry, Kim, throw you under the bus like that. I hope you remember the new one you set. But what what it's allowed me to do is now in the mornings, because I get up, you know, I get up really early, and so my mornings are my most precious time to me. The only thing I can get to, I can get into Obsidian, I can get into Notion, I can access Kindle, I can listen to music, I can read the Bible, and, and a handful of other things that are uh, more focused on good content or stuff that allows me to create in them, like note-taking things. So I I basically made it so I cannot succumb to the temptation to get on these distracting apps or these websites. And I tell you, man, that has made such a big difference because effectively, here's what it's done. My phone is a dumb phone from 9 p.m. until 8 a.m., And you can set those schedules wherever you want. If there's certain times of the day that you're more tempted to use your phone, like maybe it's during the work day or some other time, you can set it up however you want. For me, once I'm working, I don't really look at my phone during the day. You know, I'm I'm on a Mac, which, you know, I get texts on my computer, calls come, like, I don't really even think about my phone during the day. It's just the mornings that it's the biggest problem. And so I did something about it. Focus mode plus screen time. And that has been wonderful. So I would submit that to you if you're struggling with smartphone addiction. I'm sure there's something similar you can do on an Android, but this is what I've done on on iPhone. And man, it's been massively beneficial because it it basically put some teeth in the rules I had for myself for using my phone to make it not even possible for me to, uh, to use it to distract myself at those times when it was the biggest temptation. And just a concluding thought I would share is this. Technology, including our phones, is a wonderful blessing. There's so much good. There's so much good. But we got to be aware 
of the bad. And I don't just mean the, the bad stuff that can tempt us to, to sin overtly, like the content, but the bad in terms of how much we allocate of our time and our attention to basically just entertainment and distraction. We got to steward this stuff well. And I think the first step in that is having the humility to admit that you can't outsmart your own psychology. You can't outsmart these geniuses that make these apps straight up addicting. And so you got to put barriers in place. You got to proactively flee that temptation. And if you do that, you will experience wonderful benefits. I I know I have. My focus, my, my ability to read for longer, I see those things going up. My mind is clearer because I've taken these steps. And so I highly commend them to you. I'd love to hear from you guys too. You can always write to me at reagan at redeemingproductivity.com. If you have any steps you're taking to mitigate the attention suck that comes from your phone or other technology, I am open to suggestions. Well, thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you guys again here next time. But until I do, remember this, that in whatever you do, do it well and do it all for the glory of God. For more productivity from a Christian worldview, check out my weekly newsletter, Reagan's Roundup. Every Thursday, I share an insight along with the five best links I found that week that I think will help you in your journey to becoming a more productive Christian. It's totally free. Just go to newsletter.redeemingproductivity.com to sign up for Reagan's Roundup. That's newsletter.redeemingproductivity.com.